gentlemen to another episode of Cookies and Cream. As always, my name is Raymond Hernandez and I'm joined with uh, my best friend Isaac Thompson and uh, today we're going to be talking about a very good friend of ours. Uh, in April, a uh, tragedy struck when he actually uh, shot himself. I believe he was cleaning his guns. He went out uh, shooting the day before in the desert. He was just playing around and he decided, you know what, I'm going to pretend to shoot myself. He didn't know the gun was loaded, and he took his life, ended like that. And we got Isaac Thompson, which was another really close friend, really close to Alex. Again, he grew up with him too, and he actually is a firefighter, and he was able to respond to the actual call. He was one that got it, so we got some inside knowledge of how that actually played out. So Isaac, I mean... How did that work out or do you got anything backstory about Alex anything like that yeah man so again I'm Isaac Thompson uh, yeah I'm, I'm a firefighter I've been a firefighter for five years and uh, that day it was a Wednesday and it, it just started off like a normal day I went into work at 11 you know getting ready to go to work and do what I had to do and so the day started off pretty pretty normal but right after that it just got crazy we had a uh, accident before that where it was a motor vehicle accident uh, a motorcycle versus a truck so that was like a horrific scene transported them to del sol so we're on our way back to the station we pull in the station we pull in the bay and i haven't even got out of the truck yet and we get another call uh, we get another call of a gsw uh, so it's it was actually in another district uh, it wasn't my district. The district that it was supposed to be in, that ambulance was out. They were at the hospital, so we got to take it. We were the next district up. We're driving down the street. I see the address, and I, I know where it is. It's going down Edgemere, and it kind of kind of struck me at that point. I was like, okay, that's, that's weird. So, Because my parents also live in that area, but I knew it wasn't my parents' address. So I was just driving, and then we get more details on the card. The 20-something-year-old male uh, accidentally shot himself. Unknown situation, unknown circumstances. Uh, police were already on scene. So uh, we're driving down. At this point, I'm going pretty fast, but I'm not, not going crazy fast. And then another update comes on the card um, saying Alex. And so I saw the update, or I heard it because I'm driving the ambulance. I heard it, and I was like, Alex. Uh... So that clicked something in my mind, and then I asked my partner, who's the reporting party and he said it's somebody named Sarah so at then I, I kind of knew uh, I knew something was up if the address clicked in my head I've been there many times before so at this point I'm going probably like 90 100 miles an hour down Edgemere my partner is telling me to slow down and I'm so I'm so rattled I already know what's going on I already know the scene I'm gonna come into so I pull in, uh, we pull into the to the street. You know, I see Sarah, uh, she's obviously distraught, she's crying. And um, I go over to Sarah, I just ask her what happened, she tells me. And my partner at that point didn't want me to go in. Obviously I knew Alex, uh, I've known him for 20 plus years. And obviously like when you're a firefighter, when you're a medical responder or even work at a hospital, you never want to get a call for somebody you know. So it was one of those points where he was trying to shield me from that. I didn't go in at first. The, the fire truck got there and they went in. They, they were, you know, assessing the situation. My partner went in. 
And then all of a sudden they came running out because, uh, you know, Alex was still breathing at that time. I have no choice at that point. I have to go in. I get all my gear. Uh, I get everything I got to get. And we rush in. We, you know, we put Alex on a, on a backboard. Uh, we we run, run him to the ambulance. We're hooking him up to IVs, blood pressure, monitor, everything. We're, we're starting to, you know, just do everything that we can, you know, keep him alive. At that point, I'm, I'm bagging him. I got an airway bag and I'm trying to breathe for him. We rush him to the hospital. We're going, you know, code three, which is lights and sirens to Del Sol. Uh, and at this point, I'm in the ambulance and I'm looking at Alex. You know, I'm just kind of looking at him and, and just, you know, obviously I'm, I know the prognosis is not good. Uh, I know I see the I see the wound and I know it's just not good so I'm just praying you know God I hope you know Alex makes heaven his home and, and everything like that I'm talking to Alex so we get him to the hospital and everything you know that's when we, we put him into the trauma room the doctors start working him and then from there on I'm done with my you know quote-unquote job I was supposed to be at work for 24 hours but after that it was just you know too emotional so I went home um, by this time, everybody already pretty much knows the news. So it was just a very uh, crazy scene, crazy moment that I'll never forget. You know, like I said, obviously, you never want to run somebody that you know, family members, friends. So it was very surreal, very, uh, just very emotional. But, uh, you know, obviously, after that, we learned that it was accidental. Alex, you know, was saved in his right mind. You know, he's on fire for God. So that's kind of my backstory with the whole uh, situation. So I have kind of an intimate knowledge of the situation. You know, I was with the family at that point and you know, it's just very tough, uh, very hard situation. But uh, it, brought, it brought comfort that Alex was saved in his right mind. And just like thinking about all the memories and all the, you know, all the encounters we had with him. And um, you know, it was just, it was just, crazy to look at that and I guess you know if you want to go and start talking about well I mean as far as I remember if I got the story straight he was in the kitchen right and he was cleaning his guns and Sarah was with him and he was there in the room and he he pointed one gun to his stomach saying hey look like it's not loaded he was playing around he shot it a couple of times I think and it didn't go off of course because it wasn't loaded and then he picked up another gun and he and he put it to his head. Was it on the side of his head or underneath his chin? On the side. On the side of his yeah. side of his head. And he he pulled the trigger, and it, of course it was loaded. So it, did, was there an exit wound on the other side? Yeah, yeah. So it went straight through. Yeah. Okay. So it, and then and then that's when Sarah freaked out and she she ran out of the out of the house yeah, right and she called. Yeah. She called. Out of the house, yeah. she called and then. That's when you guys picked it up. When you went inside, you said your friend that's also a firefighter didn't let you in? Yeah. At first, he didn't want to let me in because of the, they already knew that I knew him. You knew him? Yeah. Okay. When you went in, when they said he's still alive, did they bring him out of the house or were you, did you go in the house? No, I went in the house. I went in to help get him out. Out. Okay. Yeah. Was, was there blood everywhere? Yeah. It was... It was I mean, it was just. Uh, could you? Could you? You could tell it was Alex, right? It didn't yeah. disfigure his no, face no, any. No, no, I could tell it was him. Yeah, there was just blood everywhere. Um, it was just a crazy scene. You could, you could see him still breathing. Yeah, he was still breathing at that point. 
you have, you know, agonal respirations, which is like, you know, you're, you're, there's just no connection with your brain and your, and your breathing. And yeah, I was just a dumb, like a dumb mistake, you know? Like yeah, he, you did. Alex had been it. around with guns. Alex had been around guns for, you know, a couple of years at that point. And obviously we never know why stuff happens, you know, but it was just a horrific mistake. And, you know, it's just one of those things, you know? Yeah. When, when you saw his, like, where his eyes open, yeah. Was he trying to talk anything? Like, could no. you see any of that? No, his no, eyes no. were just. Yeah, he, he was, was just, just. He was just unconscious. Like, uh, mentally, he was not there. Uh, he was just breathing. Were you trying to talk to him? Yeah, I was trying to talk to him. What were you trying to? Were you trying to say? Was Sarah in the room just, at this time, or did you guys? No, clear she was out? already out. Uh, she was outside of the house. I was just, you know, talking to him, like trying to call out his name and see if there's any response or any change, any anything at that point yeah um, just going from there when you went to the hospital did they tell you anything or you, you were just no I, we went to the hospital we went straight to the trauma room yeah we just went straight in uh we called it in so they were already getting ready, ready. for us and uh you know we transferred over the patient uh which is alex obviously and that was it at any point during that time did you did you shed a tear or were you pretty professional after after everything happened i did after everything happened, I went out to, to the truck and like I just broke down and started crying. I called my mom, I called, uh, I was trying to call my wife, but at that time she was interviewing for something, so I waited to call her. Yeah, I just broke down and then I went back to the station and I, I went home after that. Yeah, that's, I guess that's the hardest part knowing that you, you do know him and you're going to try to save his life that's, yeah that's the time. and you can't do anything about it that's that's the crazy part yeah it was very surreal like very just you know you're there but there's really nothing you can do it. and then you know what happens next you know all the pain all the heartache that's going to happen you know the funeral is coming up you know all the stuff that's going to happen having that intimate knowledge because you were there is very different than just hearing about it you know like to me it was very hard very just very tough just going through all the emotions of it all the interactions with everybody um you know everything that accompanies when somebody dies you know so it was just it was just super hard but we were friends for 20 years so it's not it's not all bad so yeah we do have memories i guess the earliest memory of me is he has a sister whose name is sesne and we would i was close to her we were friends and so i would hang around alex because i mean we were I was always around her, so he was always there as well. And the, the, the I guess the earliest memory that I have is we were outside, and we pretended like there was dinosaurs and stuff. We would uh, run around. There was, like, lava. He had, like, this house that he was in had these round little things that you would jump on, and we would jump on them to, like, like we were trying to escape from the lava like there was a t-rex chasing us and stuff and that's like the earliest memory that i have of, of alex when we would play around and stuff and like that was that was when he was he was I mean, we were small we were like four or five years old and he as far as i remember as a young age he, he was always i mean he was happy like he would smile uh go over his house talk to him he was always like willing to play always excited when we'd come over when i'd come over and so I remember that was like the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know. I just remember all three of us playing in his backyard, pretending like we were getting chased by 
to kind of dinosaurs and stuff like that. And that was that was a good memory that I had. Yeah, Alex was such a good friend, man. I don't, I can't think of any situation where me and Alex were ever mad at each other or ever at odds. I was kind of the same way as you. I was I was more close to Cessna because we're kind of in the same age group. But, you know, Alex was always there, and we'd hang out. Him and my brother are very good friends. But we'd hang out. We'd I remember going over to their house, and we'd play basketball. Like, Alex was just a fun-loving dude, and he was just very, at a young age, just very energetic and very fun-loving just to be around. He was always funny, always cracking jokes. You know, I just my mom and, and his mom were very good friends. Just always being around him, like, he was always fun. And like I said, I've never, I can't remember ever a time where I was mad at Alex. Yeah, I mean, I, whenever I'd go over his house, I loved it. We, I would spend the night sometimes, and we would play on the computer. Yeah, like, the, the car, he had a computer, and they had a Cartoon Network game, and uh, I think it was like Dexter's Laboratory or something. And we would just play hours and hours. I loved going over his house. We would have fun doing different things. And it was just always a joy at the beginning going over his house, playing with him. I remember we would go into his room and we would get on our knees since it was a small room. We would try to play football and he would, I mean, you got to understand, Alex is a very energetic, rough kid. He, he wanted to wrestle, always wanted to do something where he wanted to do something physical. So we would, we would try to make it past each other to make a touchdown and stuff like that. And we would go at it for hours we would just hit each other pretending to play football and he was he was always like that energetic kid he loved playing football he loved hitting people on the field and not in a bad way he just that's the way he was he was just an aggressive kid that liked physical things at the beginning but I can tell you that I did have that conflict with Alex where it was almost like a a brotherly challenge i guess you could say where yeah he he wanted like to prove himself he, i was older we were close uh, we had the last name in on this and we would you know butt head sometimes and he sometimes in that relationship that came it became like a, a friction point where we try to best me or i would try to best him and it was always like a, a not a fight, but there was that that friction there, like a, yeah. like a brotherly friction. You have a brother, you know what it's like. Oh yeah, yeah. with Isaiah. So he was very competitive then. Would you say? With with me, he would he would try to always try to best me. He yeah. would. I mean, that's why we play football. Try to tackle me. Uh, when we play guitar. We try to play something harder than each other. When chess, we were playing no. chess, chess yeah, chess. Yeah. He was so good at chess, though. I I would. When we first started off, I would beat him just because I knew certain moves he didn't. But within like a week, two weeks, he was he was far beyond what I could ever do. He was so smart. He knew that game well. We, of course, got taught by Pastor Glenn. But again, that that was some um, like we were always doing something together. Started guitar together, played chess together. When I got in trouble going to the movies. He was the one that we took with us. Yeah. He was there with us when yeah. we went to go see movies. I remember one time we went to a movie and we went we went down on the west side one, Tinseltown, and we're there in the movie 
watching it and he gets a call from his mom like in the middle of the movie and we're not supposed to be there yeah and so he's like oh shoot like we need to go because we're not supposed to be here so i remember we run outside of the theater we get in our car and then he answers the phone he's like his mom was wondering where where we were at and so of course we lied said something else and it's like we, we were always together at least in the aspect of doing new things um we weren't like I didn't always I wasn't always with him we didn't live with each other but when it came to new stuff there was always that competitive nature and that in a way did get sometimes became friction yeah. where we well, weren't always like, the closest friends like you said like a brother um, like me and my brother we always fight I mean we compete you know my brother's trying to be a firefighter so it's like we're always we're always doing the same things competing but you always have that unconditional love for your brother. And, you know, that's what it sounds like, what you're describing is that, that yeah, you competed and you were at odds sometimes, but you always had that, that camaraderie, that friendship and that, that bro- brotherly love. And, you know, I guess that's what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah, there's, um, there's plenty of moments. There's one where we would go to the gym with Menno. And Alex, Alex is a heavy set kid. He wasn't, he wasn't skinny by any means. And so, but there's this one machine that helps you do a pull up. And yeah. so you can put how many pounds you want to assist you with. And Alex has never done a pull up in his life. So we're there, and this machine is in the middle of the gym. So we're there inside the gym, and he, I think Mano goes first. He does his pull ups, gets his sets through, and then I go next. I don't use the assisted thing. I do my pull ups. And then Alex gets on. And so we help Alex set up how much is supposed to help him. And so he gets ready. He gets on the handlebars. He's getting ready to go ahead and pull up. And as he's coming up, he, I guess he realized, like, I'm doing an actual pull up. And so as he's coming up, he just screams, yes. And when he goes up again, comes back down, he goes, and he's so excited that he's able to do a pull up. And everyone in the gym turns around, looks at him. Me and men are like, Alex, what are you doing? He can't be screaming in the gym. But he was just so excited that he could do do a pull up. I remember another time we were doing sit-ups. And we were doing it on, I guess, a, a decline bench where you're kind of laying backwards. He is there, right, doing his sit-ups. And I guess he was pushing too hard. There's There was a girl next to us, and we're working out. It was packed at that time. And so there's a girl next to us, and he's doing his he's doing his sit-ups. And I guess he pushed too hard. I'm not too sure, but yeah. he, he, far, he farts right there. <laughs> he farts right there. <laughs> She got up, dude. She got up and just walked she out. Left? She left, dude. Oh she God. she was like, no, I'm not staying next to these guys. And I was like, Alex, and he just starts laughing, dude. He start, you know, Alex, he's just yeah. busted because he has the, it's like he has no shame. He's yeah, like, yeah. whatever. Like I had a fire, I had a fire. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, like that was another time that he was just. I mean, that's Alex. He did what he wanted. There was another time we were doing power cleans, and I I think I pushed him too hard, and he just sits down on the back of the wall, and I tell her, Alex, it's your he's like nah dude I'm done I feel like I'm gonna go throw up right now <laughs> so he just sat there on the back of the wall yeah. doing nothing but yeah it was there's so many like there's so many good like the time when we did that chess tournament that Pastor Glenn was talking about we did a chess tournament like at one two in the morning we were playing chess and most of them were his moves that he made and he it was probably because of him that we won that chess tournament 
but that was just uh, a lot. We were so excited. The next day we got when we got up, we told Pastor Glenn like, "Hey, we we won a chess tournament," and Alex was talking trash to the other guy while we were playing and stuff. He was just yeah. on him, and that's that was Alex. And those are those are the good memories. Those are the things that that you know that that stick with me. That I I always remember. That's how how Alex was. But there's also regrets. There's, there's all, probably always will be regrets when. Yeah, of course. When you get. Yeah, yeah. Alex was. He was like all those things are are Alex, right? Like he was very fun and very energetic and you know passionate about things like chess, guitar. Um, but like in everyone's life, I mean, there's some things that not everyone may see, you know. Like Alex was sometimes dark and you know, depressed and maybe uh, down on his life and didn't think that, you know, there, he went through periods where he didn't think he could amount to much. But I know right before he died, he he did have a, you know, a, a very supernatural encounter with God and he had a testimony. Um, I guess speak on, like speak on how he went through that transformation. I know you were... You were in Colorado, right? Yeah, I was in I was in Colorado. Did you talk to him or did you Not too much. So at that point our relationship, our friendship was a little strained. Um we weren't super close. Again, I was in Colorado, so I couldn't really do anything of that. I mean, we're at distance, so yeah. We didn't really talk too much. But I know Alex he did struggle with being depressed, angry, he would get in these in these moods where he was just introverted. He was just always focused on himself and never really got out of that shell. And that's when you knew he was he wasn't doing too good. He was battling that depression, that anger. And so I don't know how it was during that point or that time, but his testimony that he was talking about, he said a preacher was preaching. And said that, you know what, Jesus loves you and will never reject you. Yeah. And it was that rejection he was battling with. Now, you got to understand, I always went over Alex's house and I thought he had a great family, a great home. I never saw the backstory of it. He would always try to talk to me or he's trying to tell me like, like, you see things, but that's not the whole story. That's like right. the tip of the iceberg. You don't see what's underneath the water. And apparently he battled, I mean, with certain things that, I mean, maybe his family wasn't as good as we thought they were, as I thought they were. And so he had this underlining anger and he he was very closed off. And I didn't believe him. I thought he had a great family. And so I never really honored that he was having a hard time with his parents and stuff like that so I just blew it off yeah but I mean in his testimony he said that that was the issue but that Jesus in the Bible said I will never let you go I'll never reject you and he broke down at that because who wouldn't want that yeah who who wouldn't want to be if you're rejected who wouldn't want to be accepted and say you know what I have someone that does love me yeah and it's very hard because we don't we don't really know 
Like, you, you only see what people allow you to see in terms of family and issues and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, like, there may have been stuff happening under the scene, but, like, it's very hard as an outsider to see that, you know? And so Alex did deal with a lot of stuff like that. And the reason we're talking about Alex is because it's it's more of a remembrance. And one thing that I wanted to come out of this is that, yeah, as a person, you may have issues or you may be going through things that nobody sees, but the end result needs to be salvation. And that's what Alex did. You know, Alex, yeah, he had his problems, he had his issues, but he left the legacy of, getting radically saved and converted, you know, in his later years. And uh, one of the things that struck me so much when we went to Alex's homegoing is that Nathan, uh, Reina, he wrote a letter to Alex's mom just stating the impact that Alex had on his life. Like, if you think about it, that's the goal. That should be the goal of everybody is to leave a lasting impact. And Alex did. He uh, he was such a good person. And yeah, he had his problems and his faults, but he left a lasting impact, you know? And I think that is so important, is that you need to leave a lasting impact on this earth, on this world, you know? And you're gonna leave a lasting impact, whether it be bad or good. But Alex chose to leave a good lasting impact that we will always remember you know yeah i i remember when when we i couldn't because of the covid we came back we couldn't go to the funeral so we we live streamed it we zoomed it and we were seeing it and all the memories just keep on coming back i remember um i asked manny if i could just play alex's guitar for a day and stuff like that so of course wednesday night we go and manny pulls out the guitar and on it are all his you know his um punisher symbols his different things and i just i just pick up the case and i look at manny and i'm like i'm, I'm sorry manny i know was it i wasn't there when he passed away and manny's like no it's okay like i'm glad you're his friend and i just gotta get this out there like when we were announced to come back, I was gonna, I was gonna tell Alex, I'm sorry. I didn't know what you're going through before. I didn't know how hard it was for you, but I'm sorry, man. Like I wanted to give him such a big hug and tell him like, I believe everything you're saying now. I know I didn't believe you before how hard it was, but man, like I just, I being out in pioneering makes you appreciate so much more of who the friends you had, who you're close to. And Alex was such a good friend that I didn't want that to go away. And I was, I was just, I told Marissa, I was like, I just want to give Alex a hug and tell him, hey man, like, I'm sorry I didn't trust you before. And so he passed away. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Alex, I mean, I don't, I don't know. He's in heaven, probably just chilling out, doing whatever he wants to do. I had it. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I didn't get to say that I trusted you and everything you're going through. And let me just tell you now, like, you know what? If you do feel rejected, if you feel lonely, if you feel lost, you know what? 
there is a Jesus in heaven that can set you free. That there is someone out there that does love you, that does care for you, that doesn't reject you. You know, Alex felt that way. And you know what? He may have came up to me and told me, you know what? This is what I believe in or this is what I'm going through. And I, I probably rejected him. I probably said, you know what, Alex, you're, you're full of it. I mean, you have a good family and I don't see the whole picture. You know what? Jesus sees the whole picture. He sees the beginning and the end and he knows what you're going through. And Alex said the only thing that set him free was knowing that Jesus would never reject him. Yeah. And that is what we're trying to provide for you. You know what? This is what Alex wants you to understand, I would believe, in this, even in this podcast or through his life. He said you could leave a good memory or a bad memory. And I believe the good memory he wants to remember or leave is that you understand that Jesus loves you no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just, um, you know, it takes that, it takes that understanding that, yeah, you're not perfect. And Alex knew that. Alex knew he wasn't perfect. But all he had to do was cry out to God and say, I'm sorry and I repent and I accept Jesus into my life. And... You know, like you said, Alex is in heaven right now, and, you know, he understands that. He understands that, you know, maybe people didn't believe him or didn't understand what he was going through, but he knows that the best part of his life was giving his life to Jesus, you know, surrendering and giving his life fully to Jesus. And he left that lasting impact, like I said, that'll, that'll carry on for years to come. I know I'll never forget him. Uh, you know, I know you'll never forget him. And just like, you know, like you were saying, like to people out there that may feel like they have no hope, they have nobody, you know, Jesus is the answer. Uh, Jesus is the key. He can help you. He can set you free from any pain, any addiction, any uh, depression that you have. And, um, you know, you just got to cry out to him. And, you know, I'm so glad that Alex had a radical conversion because, you know, yes, we, we remember what happened and we remember, like, I'll remember for the rest of my life going to that scene. I could play it vividly in my mind. It makes it easier knowing that he's in heaven right now. You know, he's rejoicing with the angels. And when everything happened, you know, God called him back to heaven and he said, you know what? Good. Uh, well done. You know, well done. Enter into the glory. You know, we, we got to remember that we are going to leave a lasting impact and it just depends. Is that impact going to be good or bad? And, uh, you know, I truly believe in that saying that, you know, legends never die, you know, like they always, their, their memory is always with us. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's Alex, you know, we'll never forget him because of the memory he left on us. Jesus does love you. If, if you hear this and you're not saved, then give your life to Christ. This is sinner's prayer saying, Jesus, forgive me my sin. I accept you in my life. I accept you as the Lord over my heart, my soul, and I will serve you forever. That That is the basis of a sinner's prayer saying, you know what, God, I come before you, or I come before you, Jesus, accepting you in my life so that when I stand before heaven, before, before God, that I have your blood in my life so I can enter into heaven. That's That's all it is. And that's what Alex did. 
that's what I've done. That's what Isaac's done. So there's that opportunity opportunity here for you as well if you want to make that choice. And um, that's all the time we got for today. Alex, we loved you. Hope you're having a good time in heaven. And once again, thank you all for tuning in, joining us on Cookies and Cream. We will have another podcast next week. Stay tuned, live safe, and be well.